Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news of the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Animal Crossing Direct, Call of Duty Warzone, and some new Xbox Series X details actually dropped this very morning. But before we go into it, a few updates, and before we go into the updates, I might sound a little bit uh, weird for this podcast. I definitely... I don't want to concede that I that I caught a cold necessarily, um, but basically I've been kind of fighting the cold um, throughout. I, I think probably throughout all of last week, probably starting around Tuesday. Um, but I'm still a little bit congested, so that's why it might uh, sound a, a bit weird for this up, uh, for this episode. Uh, but a few updates. Um, that we got this week compared to to a couple of old episodes. NVIDIA GE Force Now, which we talked about, I think, two shows ago. We brought it up in, the, in last week's episode. Quick update. Another update on NVIDIA GE Force Now. NVIDIA has announced that 1 million users have signed on for GE Force Now within just two weeks of exiting beta. I mean, that's a pretty exciting number to have. I mean, 1, one million users in just two weeks is pretty amazing. Um, it really shows once again, that this is where we're heading as an industry. Everybody just wants to be able to buy a game and then be able to access it from, uh, anywhere. Uh, they also confirmed that cyberpunk 2077 will be available on the service day one. So, you know, you have a company like CD project red, which really understands the importance of this is just kind of added value to that purchase, um, of the game itself. Um, unfortunately, it's not all good news. NVIDIA also announced that, um, you know, last week we talked about Activision Blizzard pulling their entire catalog from GE Force Now. And then, uh, last week they announced that Bethesda actually just did the same thing. Uh, Bethesda, for those that don't know, they own the IPs for Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Doom, some of the biggest PC games you can think of. Um, they removed every game from GE Force Now except for Wolfenstein Youngblood. For some reason, that's the only game that made the cut. Um, there was no explanation from NVIDIA or Bethesda in terms of exactly why this happened. All NVIDIA has really been talking about is that um, these are part of the growing pains of launching a service, which is why they're launching it kind of with that free 90-day introductory time. It's only $5 a month after that for the first year. Um, as we said before, or as I said when I first talked about this two weeks ago, there's no way that they can sustain this service for just 5 bucks a month. It's definitely going to go up to at least $10 or $15 a month for the future of the service. Um, but they kind of look at it as like sort of saying like, hey, so this is why we're not charging you $10, $15 a month. We knew that things like this would happen. We knew that the, we were going to experience these growing pains in terms of um, coming to agreements with different uh, developers. So that's one thing that I will give NVIDIA is that they sort of acknowledge that even though this technically exited an early beta, they are still looking at it as a beta, which is why they they offered that 90-day introductory um, uh, entry into the, shoot, what's it called? I think, I think it's called the Founders version, which gives you a six-hour window to play. It gives you, um, uh, what do you call it, like um, better access to getting to the front of the line in order to start a session compared to the free version. And what's funny is that... Um, you know, NVIDIA is already touting these numbers after only two weeks. And if you remember back uh, to Google and Stadia, it's been a few months. Google has still not put out official numbers for, for Stadia. So um, that kind of leads me to believe they've never reached a million users, and which is not a surprise because, once again, their entry fee was $129. It's still $10 a month after um, that first introductory. I think it was only for the first three months you get for free. Um and they still have yet to offer a free tier. So it's pretty funny to see NVIDIA come out and just kind of surpass Google Stadia within two weeks. And it shows just how important it should have, it, 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 it is to have, um, to be realistic about what you can deliver and acknowledging that, yes, this is a beta. There will be speed bumps in a row. Uh, please stick with us. It's going to get better. And unfortunately, that's not what, what Google did, which is why no one's really even talking about stadia anymore um but obviously this is kind of one of the, you know the good of of the of cloud gaming is being able to access your library anywhere you go 
The bad of it is we're seeing it right now with uh, Nvidia, with what's happening with Nvidia. This is what happens when you kind of don't have your ducks in a row and those agreements in place. Um, the ability for any developer to just remove their game off of that service that uh, that really sucks. So I, I kind of don't see that happening with a company like Microsoft. I think Microsoft has been working on those agreements and those partnerships for for quite some time, longer than Nvidia has. So I don't expect the same thing to happen. Um, when they launch a cloud service. Um, and another update with uh, COVID-19, which is sort of the official name for this strain of the coronavirus. Um, as we all know, over 75,000 people have been affected. Over 2,000 people have been killed. And it's slowly becoming, I mean, no one's really throwing around the word epidemic just yet. But um, we're now seeing it spread larger and larger to different countries. There's, I think, like a big... Um, shutdown happening right now in Italy. South Korea is experiencing a lot of um, uh, people that have been infected, and it's now starting to affect our industry. So, last week, Facebook and Sony announced that they're pulling out of GDC 2020. It was either just this morning or yesterday. Kojima Productions also announced that they will be pulling out of GDC 2020. That takes place in San Francisco on March 16th through March 20th. Um, Facebook did confirm that they still are going to make uh, announcements for Oculus. You know, Facebook usually uses GDC as a great platform to talk about VR, the advancements that they're working on, and to make new announcements for Oculus, whether it's a new headset or, or um, new software features being added. So they said those announcements will happen. It's just that they will happen digitally. So um, we're seeing a lot of companies kind of being very, very precautious, putting the health of their of their employees first. Uh, GDC is a really, really important part of the year especially for publishers such as sony so for them to pull out gdc is is a to me it's a pretty big deal i kind of look at it like maybe they're kind of pulling out of it publicly but i can't imagine sony not sending absolutely anybody from the company there i'm sure they'll have even if it's a small presence i'm sure there'll be someone at sony especially given the fact that they're launching the playstation 5 or they're planning to launch the playstation 5 this holiday um, but we'll just have to, I'm not, obviously I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, it's also affecting the resale market for ring fit adventure. I found this pretty amazing in China. The, uh, resale market for ring fit adventure is now doubled. So the, 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 the price to buy ring fit adventure is now like, you know, if it's 60 bucks is now $120, um, to get access to it because so many people, uh, staying home, they want access to quality exercises and they think ring fit is a good no pun intended fit. So they're seeking um, ring fit. It's sold out everywhere in China. Now there are a bunch of um, resellers importing it from here in the US in order to double the price in China and make a profit. Um, and then last but not least, Blizzard yesterday canceled all the March homestands that was set to take place in South Korea. Those were the homestands for the Seoul Dynasty. They confirmed that those are now canceled. I think they were going to take place at the end of March. They're not canceled. All Blizzard has said is that at some point they will be made up, but they don't have any details exactly as to when that's going to take place. Um, no, unfortunately, there there are, I, I heard this morning, there are parts of China that are now beginning to reopen after they were shut down due to, the, the, due to COVID-19. But now as we're seeing it spreading to other countries, you know, the U.S. hasn't been affected as much. It's been really, really strict about uh, flights coming in from China. But now, you know, we're seeing it spread to other countries. We're now talking about South Korea and Italy. So we'll have to wait and see in, in terms of exactly how big this can get and um, where we will be by June when E3 is set to take place. Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of companies right now, um, including Microsoft, maybe even Nintendo, that are maybe working on contingency plans in terms of okay how can we digitally get the same reach without being physically there and some of those are going to be like you know nintendo with the treehouse live that happens live in los angeles maybe their plan b is nintendo treehouse live happening straight from nintendo so you still have content for consumers um going online except you just won't be there physically uh to demo anything but obviously we'll just have to wait and see you know, anytime there is an outbreak of anything, you know, especially something like this, 
probably the worst place to be is in a convention center. So um, I'm not really surprised that we're seeing a lot of these companies pull out of it in order to keep their uh, employees safe because, I mean, that's that's number one right there. Uh, our first story of the day has to do with Nintendo and Animal Crossing. Last week, Nintendo dropped more details about Animal Crossing New Horizons. I think um, it was about 22 minutes long. And uh, I think overall, I saw a huge, huge positive reaction to everything that was being announced by Nintendo. I think what's great about what Nintendo has done with Animal Crossing New Horizons is that the feature sets that they've added to it, I think if you're if you're not familiar with Animal Crossing, you're probably kind of like shrugging your shoulders in terms of like, okay, what's what's the big deal? But for Animal Crossing fans, it's a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is a huge deal, you know. Even something like a a, a tool wheel to 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 easily switch tools, for example, the fact that you can. Um, you have a little bit greater control of, of who lives on your island. Um, the fact that you can actually terraform the island now in, into any way that you see fit. Uh, eight people on one island at a time. So, um, you know, people look at these small announcements such as like, oh, man, I can add a custom design to a mug. And they look at it as like, what's the big deal? And Animal Crossing fans are blowing the tops off because of something like this but it's sort of a huge deal especially when it comes to customization for these types of games and i think nintendo has done a great job um filling this game particularly with features that are just going to keep players coming back you know they're promising um a lot more uh events uh downloadable free downloadable events for different parts of the year, such as Thanksgiving, Christmas. Their first event is going to be based around Easter when the game launches on March 20th. This also stops people from forwarding the clocks because if you were to forward a clock to Christmas, now there are no Christmas events because they're not tied internally to the clock. Now there are free updates, so you will have to wait until the event starts in order to see um, things changing in your village and you know new people visiting, whatever it is that they come up with. Um, around the time of those events <clears throat> so they added something for example called nook miles which are activities you can do in exchange for currency so you know catch five fish you know chop down three trees i don't know examples like that and you can exchange um those miles for different things um such as like nook clothing and things like that uh the ability uh, the ability to easily visit other people's islands whether it's locally or online um and then they added a great feature which i thought was amazing which is called the nook link which is a a phone app within the N nintendo switch online app that allows you to communicate via text message um, when you're playing with others, you can use it for voice chat because, of course, Nintendo still doesn't believe in putting voice chat on the Nintendo Switch itself mm, for just no reason at all. <laughs> like, let's be honest, there's really no reason why this game shouldn't have dedicated voice chat right there on a Nintendo Switch when we see other games like Fortnite have it. I just kind of don't understand it, why you're making users use their phones in order to chat online. It's just... It's just downright stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but one thing that, that I like that they added is that on the new on on the the Nook Link app, you can um, create designs on there and send it right over into your Nintendo Switch game, which will make um, creating designs a lot faster. I'm not sure if creating designs and New Horizons they um, allow you to use the touchscreen on the Nintendo Switch. That would be smart because that would make uh, designing a lot faster too. But I think it's pretty cool that they added that to the phone app. The ability to easily scan um, friends' QR codes in order to get designs easily into the Nintendo Switch um, serves a good purpose for this for this Nook app. And then you can add um, people to your list as quote-unquote best friends, which means that if they were to visit your island, you give them freedom. Basically, they can chop things down if they want because you trust them um, but if you're not on someone's best friends list and you visit the island you can't use certain tools um, just so you won't damage other things on their island um, then the bad news the bad news was during the direct Nintendo mentioned that cloud save recovery feature is coming in a future update but it's only available to switch online members and you can only use it if your system is lost or damaged and it can only be recovered once um, 
and this is the bad. This is something I, was, I spoke about last week, which is how just underprepared Nintendo is with their, not just with their cloud technology, but also with um, punishing the majority of players um, in order to prevent a minority from doing something uh, stupid, which is pretty much gaming the system when it comes to Animal Crossing which is they're trying to prevent people from rolling back into their saves in order to reset something that they did. Um, but when I remember anybody that plays Animal Crossing and when I think about the majority of Animal Crossing users, they don't ever use those types of, of features such as, you know, like I remember you could do it with the stock market, for example. You can roll back to a save or roll back the time in order to know exactly what day of the week um, the the turnip will sell at the highest price, for example, right? Um, there's not many users that play the game like that. They're very dedicated to the real-time system. They don't use something like that. And the fact that you're punishing players by telling them, hey, it's only if your system has lost the damage and it can only be recovered one time, that's a pretty drastic um, step to take in order to stop a, a minority of people from rolling back time in their games. Um, I said this, I, I, I tweeted about this, I think it was yesterday, which is the solution to this is actually pretty simple. You basically set forth a tiered punishment for people that are trying to recover their saves constantly. So, for example, the first time you recover a save is instant, and maybe you have to wait three months until it, it becomes instant again. If you try to recover it again within three months, Maybe you put through a request for it to be recovered, and maybe you have to wait 48 hours or something like that for it to be recovered. Basically, you're trying to annoy the people that recover the saves frequently without punishing people that will only recover it if they need it, which is if your system gets lost, if your system gets damaged, for example. And then this also kind of makes me feel like, do I also have to basically prove to Nintendo that my system was lost or damaged? Do they require for me to either have an official repair on record? Do they require for me to register a new serial number to prove that I have a new Nintendo Switch system before I can do something like that? I mean, it's just these are just such unnecessary things that Nintendo does and has been doing for such a long time. That, you know, it's, it's, it reminds me of what I spoke about in last week's show, which is they kind of have to modernize the way that they think about users and, and modernize the way that users expect their expectations from technology in the year 2020. You know, when you think about services such as Sony, Microsoft, Steam, um, even, you know, your iPhone, your Android, the, your your cloud saves are not something that you actively think about. They're just automatic, they work, and they're free. So the fact that Nintendo is one of the few technology companies that doesn't offer something like this for free when pretty much every other technology in your home does um, is just, it's just a huge miss. Now, what's interesting is that when they first showed the Direct, there was kind of in the fine print at the bottom that you could only recover it once. A few hours later, Nintendo actually removed the video from YouTube and they re-uploaded the Animal Crossing Direct. And now on that same page or in that same time in the video, that fine print about it being recovered once is now removed and replaced with more details to come in the future. So maybe that means that they've changed their mind in terms of it being on um, the ability for it to be recovered once. I mean, I guess... Animal Crossing players will have to wait and see. All we know now is that once you buy Animal Crossing March 20th, you're going to have to be very, very careful with your Switch because if you lose it, it gets damaged, you lose your save, you're going to have to start all over, which is it's just, um, it's just unacceptable for a game like Animal Crossing. A game like Animal Crossing, users know that that is your Animal Crossing for an entire generation. You're not going to get another Animal Crossing game for six, seven years. Um... So the fact that for a system that is as fragile as Nintendo Switch, because it's portable, it can it's it's uh you have a higher chance of it getting lost or damaged or stolen, much higher than something like an Xbox One, for example. 
Um, and the fact that if you lose your, 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 your system, your save is gone forever after putting in years of work on an island. I mean, I could see a lot of users just saying, screw this. I'm not even, I'm not going to even restart this. Like, what's the point? So they definitely do have to find a solution to this. So, um, yeah, I think the, the funny thing about Animal Crossing is that it's just an absolute beast when it comes to sales. I mean, this, this game itself, thinking about, um, you know, the, the install base for Nintendo Switch right now has to be at 60 million. I mean, it's it's not unfathomable to think that this game is going to sell over 20 million within its first year, maybe even 30 million, um, because the brand for Animal Crossing is just that strong. And I've always looked at Animal Crossing as... This is the way that I look at Animal Crossing. First and foremost, I think a lot of people that don't play Animal Crossing always look at it like, what's the point? This cutesy, this game is for kids and things like that. I always look at those people like, man, you just haven't played it. And I played a lot of Animal Crossing when it came out for GameCube. I played a little bit on the DS. I mean, excuse me, the 3DS version of New Leaf. I didn't play New Leaf that for that long. I only played for a few minutes because I felt like it eventually became like a chore. It became a job. You know, every day I, w- I would log in and play, I would kind of do the same things, find fossils and things like that. I feel like personally for me, I hit my end game quickly. And it, and it looks like Nintendo's trying to address that when it comes to this new Animal Crossing. But this is my philosophy behind Animal Crossing. For anyone who has never played it because they look at it on the surface as like this cutesy, whatever type of game. Maybe it's just a kid's game and things like that. I always tell them, think about the majority of video games you play. And compare it to um, the way you watch film and TV. Think about if your entire, you know, viewership history of what you've seen within a given year of films and, and, and TV was nothing but action. Every single TV show was action, action, action. Every film was action, action, action. There was no comedy. There was no drama. There was no horror. There was none of that. It was just action all year long. It's It can get, you know, it can be a, a drag, let's be honest, right? Like, th- that doesn't sound like fun at all, right? When you're thinking about the amount of films and TV you watch throughout a year, there's comedies, there's dramas, you know, there's uh, documentaries, there's all these different types. And I always tell people, think about video games. And I think for the majority of video games that I myself pick up and play, the objectives always boil down to the same thing, right? Whether it's Mar- whether you're playing Super Mario or you're playing Call of Duty, it comes down to the same objective. I'm trying to defeat my enemy before they defeat me. That's really what it comes down to. I have access to weapons. My enemies have access to weapons, and our objective is to kill each other. Like that's that's really the objective of 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 Mario, right? It's yes, it's a platformer. You have to get from from point A to point B. But going from point A to point B, there are enemies trying to stop you, and you are trying to stop enemies. And that's really what a lot of games, that's kind of what the core, you can really kind of drain it down to. You can you can go down to the, the lowest common denominator, and, and that's really what it falls into. And that's what I enjoy the most about games like Animal Crossing. Is it's, it's really the type of game that there is no objective, there is no end game, there is no game over screen. You know, you have you can just kind of go about your day. You can kind of do whatever you want. And it's very, very laid back. It's, 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 there's no blood, there's no gore, there's no violence, there's no, you know, uh, rage. There's no uh, teammate screaming in your ear when it comes to the multiplayer. No one's angry. Everyone's happy. It's like the, this palate cleanser of a video game that exists in the middle of everything else. And that's why I find it funny that this game exists and is releasing on the same exact date as a game like Doom Eternal. When you think of Doom Eternal, you think about fast rock and roll, you know, uh, fast paced gore, chopping heads off, you know, ripping arms off of demons' bodies. And then you just quietly at the end of the day, go over to Animal Crossing. You hear that beautiful, those, those beautiful strings playing and, and that amazing soundtrack and you just relax and you go fishing and you catch some bugs and you know you you, you maybe move your couch a little bit get get you, get your house set up right like it's the palate cleanser of gaming and I 100% recommend it to 
any gamer out there because games like this games like stardew valley for example this they're, they're necessary even games like minecraft where you, you're, you're building you're building you're building you're not knocking anything down and it can be so liberating man it can be so freeing because of especially in the landscape that we live in where it seems like you just can't shut anything off you know it, your phone's always buzzing and there's news coming at you left and right and politics and Trump and the coronavirus and, you know, violence here, violence there. It's like it's great to have a game where you can just kind of escape for a little bit and just, you know, pick up, pick out some weeds, you know, fill up your aquarium, you know, visit your 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 museum, check out the fossils that you've gotten. Like, it's this very nice, smooth, relaxing type of game. And if you've never played Animal Crossing, I 100% tell you to go through with it. And look, I'm going to say this here now on this show, okay? If you are a man, okay, do not feel uh, any certain type of way about looking at a game like Animal Crossing and calling it adorable or cute. Look, these are facts, my guy, okay? These are facts. This is what this game was built for, okay? Be confident in yourself as a male gamer to look at something like Animal Crossing and say, you know what? Damn, that's adorable. That's cute. Look at Isabel with her little glass of Jack. Jack Daniels getting ready for, for the morning. This is adorable. That's okay. It's all right, my guys out there. Do not feel a certain type of way about saying these things. You're going to have to say no homo. You're going to have to say pause before you talk about Animal Crossing. It's all right. It's cute. This game is adorable. That's what it was built for. Embrace it. Be okay with it. Be comfortable with it. Because that's what this game exists for, okay? And now on to Call of Duty, <laughs> which is the complete opposite of Animal Crossing. Now, last week, the internet was flooded with Call of Duty Battle Royale leaks, including a short video and cover art confirming its name, Call of Duty Warzone. Now, last week, I didn't bring this up on the show purely because we talked about Call of Duty in this leak. It had to be like last October, November or something like that. There was like this huge leak that kind of told everyone exactly what this Battle Royale is going to look like. And uh, the short video that was leaked for this Battle Royale kind of really confirms all of those details. The circle is basically like enclosing gas and everything like that. But the cover art confirmed its name, which is Call of Duty Warzone. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing up the story this week is that Activision has subpoenaed Reddit to reveal the identity of the user who leaked the Warzone artwork. And um, this is interesting for a a few reasons. Um, number one, I mean, this is happening, right? I mean, these rumors are, are, are just too strong for this to not be happening. The rumors are pointing out to a March release. If you go into Call of Duty right now, there's kind of... a, a, a a, a portion of the menu that's deemed I think is classified or something like that like this is this is an inevitability it's about when not about if right so what Activision is doing is that they're basically sent Reddit a subpoena through a court uh, and they're asking the court to force Reddit to reveal the identity of the user who leaked the art the official artwork and basically revealed the name of it which is called Call of Duty Warzone now with all intents and purposes, this is not, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think a, a court is going to grant them that subpoena. Um, but what Activision is basically doing um, with this is they don't really care about the subpoena. They don't care about the result of the subpoena. They're more about now what we're seeing companies like Activision and Nintendo is they're um, putting forth these scare tactics. Um, it's the same as sending cease and desist in order to stop future leaks from happening. I don't think Activision is actually going to be able to get the identity of the person who leaked that artwork. Uh, but to them, they don't care. What's more important is that if there's someone right now with an image that they're not supposed to have on their computer or details that they're not supposed to have, what Activision is hoping that they're, they're reading, this art, reading these articles about um, the subpoena and, you know, thinking twice about revealing that to the world and saying like, oh, you know what? I don't want any problems, you know, because one of the scariest things in the United States of America is getting sued because even if um, 
you win, you ultimately lose because of the time and money it takes to fight a company as big as Activision, right? So it's basically a, a, a scare tactic. Um, and then through this tactic, Activision has basically confirmed that this is absolutely real. Not only did they issue a lot of copyright takedowns to try to stop the spread of that video, which is, let's be honest, is just impossible in the day and age we live in. Um, but by uh, issuing a subpoena against Reddit, they're basically falling into what's called the uh, the Streisand effect. I don't know if anyone out there knows what the Streisand effect is, but basically what the Streisand effect is, is if you as a person or company put forth an effort to hide or suppress information, that effort itself is only adding to the spread of the information. So I think it's, if I remember the story correctly, it's 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 coined, obviously, because of Barbara Streisand. I think, I can't really remember the story, but I think um, a paparazzi, a member of the paparazzi had taken a photo of one of her homes, and she tried to sue uh, the person that took the photo, but in suing that person, that story got picked up a lot more and spread out a lot more than the actual photo itself. So because of that lawsuit, more people were aware of the photo and aware that this house belonged to Barbara Streisand or something like that, something along those lines. So the example given here is that, uh, you know, th this this leak happened uh, last week, this week. You know, because of the news cycle, we really weren't talking about this. Now we're talking about it again because Activision brought it up again by issuing this subpoena, which to me is proof that Activision doesn't really care about debunking this rumor and, and whether it's real or not. Um, they care more about the scare tactic that goes behind um, uh, something like this. And and we saw the same thing with, with Pokemon and with Nintendo. Um, you know, I think it was last week, Nintendo blacklisted the website because they... Um, published some Pokemon Sword and Shield details a little bit early. Um, this this is just going to continue happening. We're going to see a lot of these publishers and developers be a lot more aggressive in terms of publicly announcing lawsuits and subpoenas uh, and cease and desist in order to stop people from leaking this information because it's obvious that they just don't have control over their own employees anymore or as much control as they wish they they would have um so that's that's probably what we're going to see a lot more of now a final story of the day because there really wasn't much news last week actually happened this morning microsoft I, i'm not gonna say that they um released new details i think they more confirmed a lot of these details that we've been hearing kind of rumbles about since they revealed the system in december uh, they confirmed that the Xbox Series X will have a custom AMD Zen 2 RDNA 2 processor. Um, all you need to know is it's really uh, powerful. That's it. <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's no need to go into details about that. They also confirmed a 12 teraflop GPU, which is double what the Xbox One X is capable of. And eight times more powerful than the original Xbox One. This also confirms that they are besting stadia when it comes to their promised 10.7 teraflops or anyone that remembers the stadia reveal i don't know if you guys remember google they made this thing called stadia uh they promised 10.7 teraflops microsoft is saying f you with their 12 teraflop gpu they also confirmed that the console supports 120 frames per second which I'm sure a lot of PC users are scoffing at because they've, they've had access to that for years now. Um, what I hope to see with this availability of 120 frames per second, I hope the developers offer uh, for the first time that I can really think of in console history, um, visual options. So I hope that I could be playing a game and I can choose between performance and speed. I was very surprised with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that came out Xbox One X last year. They actually did have this option. Uh, they gave you an option to choose between performance and speed, which is, um, you know, the game would look a little bit sharper, but run at 30 frames per second. Or you can lower how it looks visually by a bit, not really by much. And the game would run at 60 frames per second, which is personally what I prefer. That's how I played Jedi Fallen Order. 
um, because everything is a lot smoother. It's a lot easier to react in combat when you have access to 60 frames per second. So I hope that developers will allow us as users on console to have these types of options. Like if I'm playing Cyberpunk, like, hey, I could play 60 frames per second. It looks absolutely amazing ray tracing all that stuff is is, is on super high um, but i can lower that fidelity a bit and play it on 120 frames per second which is what i personally would prefer now uh the other thing that they talked about was they confirmed once again variable rate shading which i think they did sort of talk about last december um in layman's terms it basically prioritizes effects um without um kind of the CPU and the GPU taking a hit on frames per second, prioritizes shaders and things like that, depending on what you're focusing on. Something like that is like layman's terms. Uh, they confirm hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing. For those who don't know, ray tracing is basically uh, true to life lighting. If you haven't seen it in action, you know, go on YouTube. A great example is actually control. If you watch controls, ray tracing, on and off there are a lot of videos um, out there you can definitely see and feel the difference the more important thing here is that it's hardware accelerated that's actually a very very key feature and i think i'm, I'm pretty sure that sony also confirmed that ray tracing for the playstation 5 will be hardware accelerated you definitely the preference is for it to be hardware and not software accelerated in order to free up um uh, memory for for uh, everything else that's going on they confirmed, um, look, I consider this particular feature to be a buzzword, which is dynamic latency input. It is a new feature which synchronizes input immediately with what is displayed, controls, making controls even more precise and responsive. I look at a feature like this as um, kind of a placebo effect sort of feature, which is if you're aware of it and you get your Xbox Series X day one and you're playing a game, you're going to go, oh man, look at that lack of latency look at that low look at how precise it is when i press the a button and watching my character jump for example i feel like if if you had no idea what this is and i would tell you how do you feel about the controls for xbox no one would ever say oh man it's way faster than xbox one on the series x this is definitely what kind of one of those even if it actually does work i think it's more of a placebo effect in terms of you sitting there saying like wow i could really feel the difference they talked about hdmi 2.1 innovation which allows for low latency and minimal lag they also confirmed once again that all xbox games including game pass games are backwards compatible um and then they, they confirmed that they benefit from steadier frame rates, faster load times, and improved revolu revolutions, resolutions, all with no developer um, uh, work required. Um, I had talked about this when the Xbox One was first shown in December, that with Microsoft's commitment to backwards compatibility with microsoft's commitment to game pass the fact that all these games are being basically software upgraded taking advantage of the new hardware for for um faster load times um this confirms it that the xbox one series x will have the biggest launch lineup in gaming history like i mean Technically, obviously, we'll we'll have to see how many Xbox One X, um, excuse me, Xbox One Series X games launch day one. But with access to, to that back library um, and Halo Infinite confirmed for launch, Microsoft just basically dropped the gauntlet in saying we will have the biggest launch lineup in gaming history, which I think what makes it really amazing is that, you know, users that maybe you know maybe this thing is going to be 400 500 bucks and maybe you only have access to or enough money to be able to get that system at launch and say you know what in two weeks i'll get paid again i'll be able to buy a game what's great about this is you'll be able to take the system home and you know for sure if you if you are an xbox owner you'll have something to play or even if you know you um you don't have enough for a full $60 game, you can pay that $10 Game Pass 
a fee for that first month and at least have access to you know 200 of game pass games have access to halo infinite day one um, and that's if microsoft doesn't um, give away a free trial i sort of feel like what microsoft might do is they're going to kind of do that dollar deal again you know like one dollar for your first month of xbox game pass if you're a new uh, user and you buy series x and i think charging that dollar is better than making it free and the reason why is i feel like sometimes when you give away something for free you sort of cheapen it like when people think about something for free they think about it sort of loses its value a bit and i think when you make it at least one dollar and then there's there's that kind of currency exchange you know you're actually putting your credit card info into to microsoft system i feel like that makes it a little bit easier for a user to roll over from a free trial rather than it just being a free trial at first um i i feel like psychologically you feel like you get a better deal by saying oh man i only paid a dollar instead of it being just like completely free for example so i mean well obviously we'll have to to wait and see but like i said this confirms it that this is going to be the biggest launch in video game history um they also confirmed this feature called smart delivery which is you buy a game once and if you upgrade to xbox one x you will get the upgraded version and no extra cost so for example if you buy uh day one you were to buy halo infinite for xbox one and let's say you know what in january i'm going to upgrade to the series x once the series x launches you'll be able to take that xbox one disc put into your series x and what I'm safely assuming is going to happen is that you'll download a visual patch for the Xbox Series X version and you'll play, you'll have access to the Series X version of Halo Infinite and not just the Xbox One X version with, with just, um, you know, enhanced visuals, faster load times. You'll get that Series X version of the game. Um, what's pretty cool is that that was obviously this announcement was made this morning. CD Projekt Red confirmed that Cyberpunk 2077 will take advantage of this feature. So whenever that game does come out for Xbox Series X, I mean, personally, I don't see it happening at launch for Xbox Series X because they're trying to launch across three systems. They had the delay. I don't think they're going to be able to get it um, out in time for launch. But let's say Cyberpunk 27 for 77 for Series X launches next, you know, March 2021, for example, um, and you have the Xbox One X version, you'll be able to play the Series X version completely for free at no extra cost. You know, CD Projekt Red, when they put out the tweet, they said, we believe in, in buying it only having to buy a game once. And what I love about this is that it actually now puts pressure on all these other developers um, to support this feature that Microsoft is putting out. So for example, Ubisoft confirmed that Rainbow Six Siege is coming to Xbox Series X. If they say, you know what, we're not supporting smart delivery. If you buy Series X, you're going to have to buy this game again. They obviously are going to look really, really bad in the public eye. Um, and then the same goes for all their other offerings, Watch Dogs, Gods and Monsters, for example. But those games, who knows, they might launch simultaneously across all systems, which at that point, then you can kind of get away with not supporting smart delivery just a little bit. Um, but for a game like Rainbow Six Siege, if you don't support it, you're going to look really bad and kind of anti-consumer. So I love that CD Projekt Red just kind of was first out the, st uh, out the line kind of putting that out there like look we support this we're very very pro consumer when it comes to buying a game one so i feel like it puts a lot of pressure on these other developers uh now what's an interesting question is will sony um support something like this uh and there's a reason why i think that they sort of won't <laughs> and um the reason the reason why i think that they won't is because of their statement, I forgot who it was within Sony that said that they're not interested in adding day one Sony releases to game to, to PlayStation Now the way that Microsoft is doing with Game Pass. And um I believe that they their money is or their philosophy is behind the value of a video game. And they feel like if we show you the value of Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PlayStation 5, 
and you own the PS4 version, it's okay. You're going to feel okay with buying this game again. Um, but it's going to look so anti-consumer in the shadow of Microsoft. And I think that's kind of Microsoft's um, aim this generation is forget about what the box is capable of. What I want to do is become so pro-consumer that gamers now look at Sony as anti-consumer if they don't match us feature for feature. And it's it already worked. You know, like when you look at Microsoft and they're saying like, look, Halo Infinite, this is obviously our biggest IP. Like it's, it's not even close. Microsoft's uh, most valuable IP is Halo. And um, probably second place would be Gears of War. And for them to say like, look, day and date, as soon as we, we drop this, look, you want to buy a $60 hard copy? You can. But if you have Xbox Game Pass, $10 a month, you'll have access to Infinite day one at launch. And then the fact that Sony's saying, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. Horizon Zero Dawn 2, you want it day one, you're going to have to pay $60 for it. And I think from a fan's point of view, you instantly look at, you instantly draw that line down the middle of one company being pro-consumer and another one being anti-consumer. But Microsoft can has a higher tolerance for a burn rate than some someone like Sony does. And the issue is that since Microsoft took that loss at the beginning and right now they're churning through so many subscriptions when it comes to Xbox Game Pass, and Game Pass Ultimate, and Game Pass PC, that they're starting to see a profit off of it even if, even, <clears throat> even offsetting the development costs of something like Halo Infinite, <coughs> which will take some time, but they're putting in that investment in order to balance it out. And that's something that Sony just already confirmed that they're not interested in doing. So I think it's interesting if Sony does not... Um, match them with this feature of smart delivery it's just another checkbox of sony being anti-consumer and then you look at microsoft saying like you know hey we're gonna make it easy for you to stream your games from your xbox to anywhere in the world we're gonna make it easy to access our cloud and sony just hasn't even been talking about that and i think that's microsoft's philosophy going forward is almost like this war of it sounds look. This is gonna sound very dramatic, but it's it's like they're fighting for the heart, soul, and mind of a gamer. They want you to when you think of Xbox, you think of pro consumer. They're fighting for us, and they did it. They started it years ago. You know, you think about the adaptive controller and the fact that they're saying like, look, we want gaming to be inclusive for any everybody. The fact that they're committed to you accessing your library any anytime, anywhere. I don't care when you bought it. You'll be able to play it wherever. And I think I tweeted this a couple of, of, of uh, months ago, which is at some point, Microsoft is going to add Xbox and Xbox 360 games to the Game Pass. It's inevitable. It's just something that's not at the top of the list. But at some point, maybe two years from now, they're going to add Halo 1, Halo 2, the originals to Xbox you know, all those great Xbox 360 games that you remember, you're going to be able to get them from Game Pass, you know, because they want to, we're obviously, we're moving away from discs and it's getting harder and harder to get access to those types of games. And they, they see that hole that's, that's, that's starting right now. So, um, I just think it's amazing. I think it's, it's really good. Like I said, it's really, really pro consumer and it plays to their messaging that they're really trying to put across which is exactly that, which is, look, we're on your side. We're on the gamer side. We're the good guys here, you know? And this is such a far cry from, like, seven years ago. I mean, Microsoft was catching so much flack from not allowing you to lend your game to your friends, right? So it's, it's really a testament to Microsoft really learning from their mistakes and really thinking, like, five years ahead with their game plan. Um and then the last feature that they talked about was Quick Resume. This was something that they kind of touched on in December that I was personally very excited about, and they confirmed it today. Quick Resume allows players to suspend multiple games and resume them at any time with no loading times. Um, this is my absolute favorite feature about the Xbox One 
And I think, um, not even I think, Sony does do the same thing. You can put your system into a, a, you can suspend your system. But what I've loved about Xbox One is you can have, um, you can quickly resume one application and one game, you know? So I love on Xbox being able to play something um, and then going out to get some food, sitting down, coming back to Xbox, go to Netflix so I can watch something while I'm eating, finish eating, get off of Netflix, go back to my game, boom, quickly, no load times. I love that about the Xbox One. And now what we're seeing is now you can do that with multiple games. So if I'm playing kind of a, a, a game that I'm pouring a lot of time into, like a Halo, but then on the side I want to play something a little bit smaller, like an Ori, for example, um, and I can have both of those quickly without loading times. Ugh, it's just it's just a godsend. And um, I'm, I'm just loving everything that Microsoft is doing with their rollout with Xbox Series X. And um, I think I, it, it, it's, 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 it's funny because one thing that I talked about was <clears throat> when it comes to this holiday launch, if Sony and Microsoft launch at the same price, I don't see many users jumping over. I don't see many people that only have a PlayStation 5 in their house day one saying, you know what, I'm going to go buy a Microsoft system, especially if Sony has a really, really strong first party game. You know, if if what I'm predicting comes true, that they're going to have Horizon Zero Dawn 2 at launch um, or even like an enhanced version of Last of Us 2, maybe an enhanced version of Ghost of Tsushima, I think it's going to be really hard to get those Sony PS4 owners to say, no, you know, I'm going to go for the Xbox One. And I think the reason why is because if you never liked Halo, you're not going to like this Halo, right? Um, but I think what Microsoft is really setting up is 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 playing that long game of, Focusing on subscriptions, focusing on um, what's called expected revenue when it comes to these types of um, subscriptions, you know, putting out hardware, just hardware and just software is not expected revenue, right? When I sell you a box, I can only make money once off of that box, right? Um, But when you're talking about subscriptions, that's expected revenue. And that's kind of where we are right now in technology and applications for me. I love it when it comes to services like Game Pass, when it comes to services like Spotify. I love being able to pay that $10 a month and know that I can open up my Spotify and whatever new album is out, I can listen to it immediately. I love that. I love that feeling. I hate it when it comes to apps like iPhone apps. I hate that every app now, instead of there being a fee to unlock the app, even if it, if it's crazy fee like forty dollars for lifetime access, now we're moving into apps being forty dollars a year or ten dollars a month. So I hate subscription models when it comes to that. I love it when it comes to what Microsoft is doing, and that's really their philosophy is moving into this uh, a an expected revenue when it comes to their Game Pass, b providing pro consumer value. So when you think of Microsoft, you think about the good guys like. Look, Microsoft for $15 a month, I have access to uh, online, I have access to my games with gold, those are my free games I can keep forever, I have access to my Xbox Game Pass, access to 200 games, I have access to my xCloud, I can stream the game that's in my disk drive right now on my cell phone, my tablet, wherever I am, I can, you know, at some point in Project xCloud, I'm going to be able to uh, stream any Game Pass game I ha- I want for $15 a month, and I didn't even have to buy a box. And obviously, it's going to take them years to get to that, but that's where they want to get, is that at some point, by the time we get seven years from now, when we move into the next generation, that Microsoft is already set up where they're telling you, you know what, you don't even have to buy the box. If you want to buy the box, you can, so you can play offline whenever you want. But what Microsoft is going to do with their next generation is that day one, they're going to have those servers set up. So from day one, I'll be able to access my own Xbox Series X2, whatever this, the next one is going to be, in the cloud. And I'm going to pay $20 a month, for example. And what they want is for you to stay as a member for such a long time that they're making more money off of you as a subscriber than they would have if they sold you that box just one time. So I think Microsoft is just thinking just just five steps ahead. Like they're really playing chess this generation. And I think 
Sony right now is on the back foot. Now, I don't think that the lack of information we're, we're seeing from Sony right now, I don't think it's... Um, I think a lot of people are looking at it as it's they're having problems. Like people read that Bloomberg story about the cost of the PS5 being 450, and they're looking at them pulling out of GDC, pulling out of packs, and um, this general lack of you know just not really much more information about the PlayStation after Microsoft's already sold shown their box. I think a lot of fans I've been seeing are thinking that these are bad signs, and I, I don't think so. I think that. Sony has their own game plan, and I think they're sticking to it. I think Sony's plan was always to do one single event in March or April or May, and at that event, show off the box and kind of talk about everything, have software ready to show, which is something that Microsoft has not really done. Like, yeah, we saw a little bit of that Halo, and yeah, we saw Hellblade, but we haven't actually seen in-game gameplay. The first that we saw was technically, I guess you could call it Godfall when they they showed that PS5 footage. But I think that's Sony's play. Sony wants everything ready to show at one time. They want to show the box. They want to show the controller. They want to be able to talk about everything in detail, talk about a few games, maybe show off a game. And I think they just want to do that once and put it all into one um, event. I don't think that at that same event we're going to get a price and date, but I think we're going to get all the details at once. So I don't think Sony not putting out information is them panicking or changing their plan. I think this was their plan. You know, what Microsoft put out this morning, I don't think is a response to like, oh man, look look at Sony's a little bit down right now when it comes to their PR in the public eye. Let's put out, let's solidify um, our specs and some of these details. I think this was always Microsoft's plan. I think this was always their rollout. So I think each of these companies are sticking to their guns. I don't think any of them have really changed anything. Um, but um, but like I said, I think I think Sony right now, um, at this point in time, I think it's very important for them to kind of gain back a little bit more of that consumer confidence, even if it's something about like, one of their executives saying like, look, we know you guys want information. We're working on it. Uh, we hope our plan is to have information before June or something like that. Right. At least that way you're, you're um, kind of bolstering your fan base's confidence. When I do think a couple of Sony fans are losing confidence in Sony right now because of the lack of information when it comes down to it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm very excited for this upcoming generation. I'm one of the few people that think that, that don't think that $500 looking at the specs of these systems is too much, um, especially given the fact that I'm one of those consumers that are always going to sell their old systems. You know, the moment that I pre-order this and I get it, I'm going to sell my Xbox One X 200, maybe 250, and I'm going to calculate that price into my next generation system. So I'm going to look at it as like, I'm going to pay $250 less because of it, especially with the fact that these systems are backwards compatible. I think a lot more users this generation will look to get rid of their old systems, and you're going to see GameStops take a lot of advantage of that um, and offering deals in order to get that upgrade. And on top of that, Microsoft themselves are going to continue to what they're doing with Xbox One, that which what they started with Xbox One and Xbox One X, Shoot, I can't remember the name of the service, but it's like their payment plan service where you can get an Xbox X at launch um, and pay kind of a monthly fee for it uh, with no interest, $20, $30. So I think they're going to um, really push through that plan for Series X in order to get early users, which is once again, pro-consumer, something that Sony uh, has a committed to doing. Um but I'm very excited for this generation because I think this generation is really going to come down to software, ease of access. Um, and I'm just really excited because I think for me personally, I think this generation is going to be the biggest leap we've seen since PlayStation 2. I think the biggest leap for me, the last huge leap was PS1 to PS2. From PS2 up until now, we've seen leaps, but I don't think we've really felt this huge leap where technology and visuals and software and hardware came together to really deliver something we've never seen before. And I think with the solid state drive, with the advent of cloud gaming, with the advent of being able to play 
anywhere, saves being shared, progress being shared anywhere. This is the generation that us as gamers have been clamoring for for a decade now. And I truly feel like this is the first generational leap is what we're going to see this holiday. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm not a fanboy of either system. You know, when it comes to multi-platform, I do prefer Xbox. I prefer the controller. I prefer the, the achievement system. I prefer the online. I love Game Pass. Um, but I always buy Sony because, let's be honest, there's no argument. Sony has best, better first-party games, and that's what Microsoft is looking to change this generation. But, you know, so I, I always buy all of them, and I'm just looking forward to doing the same um, this upcoming generation. Now time to wrap it up. Stories we didn't have time to get to. Eli Roth has been tapped to direct the Borderlands film. The last script was written by Craig Mazin, and production begins later this year. So Borderlands has been in production limbo for about five years, I think now is what uh, I was able to confirm. Uh, look, I sort of don't see the need for a Borderlands film. A Borderlands film, in order for it to work, has to be a film first, a game second. So I think if you're a Borderlands fan, don't expect this game to have Mordecai or any of those like characters are used to. I feel like if they're handing over Borderlands to... Uh, Number one, a person like Eli Roth and a production company like Lionsgate, they're going to strip it down. Like Borderlands is going to be, they're going to sell it as um, Max, shoot, how can I forget the name of this movie? And it's one of my favorite movies, Fury Road, Max. Oh my God, this is so terrible. I'm sorry. I'm still kind of light. I'm still kind of like congested. Now my brain is congested. Um. Fury Road. I'm about to look. Hold on a second. Mad Max. I have to actually roll over to my where my Blu-ray sit. Mad Max Fury Road. They're going to sell it as Mad Max, you know, on crack, you know, a lot of faster paced Mad Max. I think that's really the type of film they're going to be set to make. Um, but I will say, uh, Craig Mazin does get me excited. Craig Mazin won an Emmy and wrote the absolutely phenomenal phenomenal um, Chernobyl HBO series that came out last year. If you've never seen the Chernobyl series, 100% if you have HBO, definitely see it. It's one of the greatest things to happen to TV last year. Definitely go watch that. So the fact that he penned the script actually does excite me. Eli Roth directing personally does not excite me the witcher 3 was updated on switch to allow for cross saves between switch and pc now this is something that once again this is where our degeneration needs to be heading you know cross saves are something that more games have to have what's funny is that the xbox and playstation versions of witcher 3 don't have this feature it's really funny how it came to the switch first i think it's pretty cool to see cd project putting so much in the switch they, you know part of that update was also graphical updates and other small changes that they made it's really cool to see them uh a supporting the switch and b is proof that this the game has been selling really well on switch and they're probably hoping for because of cross saves because of you being able to cross save between pc now pc owners that just bought it because of the show are now going to be more encouraged to buy the switch version uh, really really good move on their part cd project red is now the second most valuable european developer with a value of eight billion dollars ubisoft is first with a value of 9.52 billion dollars I mean, that's uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> Once you think about the fact that CD Projekt Red is really only known for one game, which is The Witcher, and more than not is really The Witcher 3. Most people don't even know 1 and 2 exist because they were only on PC and they came out such a long time ago. Um, but to have a valuation of $8 billion, that's pretty amazing. And that's only going to grow um, with Cyberpunk 2077, the Cyberpunk 2077 multiplayer mode that they're working on. So that's, that's pretty amazing to see that happen. Um, and they put out another uh, piece of news, which The Witcher 3 has made $50 million in revenue through Steam alone. Pretty amazing for that team. According to Sensor Tower, Pokemon Home was downloaded 1.3 million times and has generated an estimated $1.8 million for 
Pokemon. As I said when they first announced, it's just an amazing, brilliant revenue stream for this. And now these numbers, you have to remember these numbers are coming out A, before the expansions are releasing. Once the expansions are released, these numbers are going to blow up. And B, they're, they're, these numbers are coming out before Pokemon Go has been integrated into Pokemon Home. So these numbers are only going to explode uh, by the end of the year. So, so for them to make $1.8 million in what amounts to, what, not even more than a week? Uh, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, and Pokemon is going to keep trying to find new ways to make revenue outside of the games. And that's it for our show. Quick shout out to Simone Lim, who at seven years old became the new Pokemon Oceania International Juniors Champion by defeating 21-time regional defending champ Justin Miranda Radboard. If you have not seen this video of this absolutely adorable seven-year-old um, clutching her, her, her Pokemon, defeating um, all her opponents, and, and, and winning the match on an amazing read also... I mean, what more do you want from esports than this? This is like the, the, the esports feel good story of the year right now. Esports are global for any age, for any game. Um, you, it just can't be stopped. It's pretty amazing. Make sure you go check out that clip if you haven't checked it out of Simone Lim. And that's it for our show for the day. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cam Koji for future updates. Once again, I am Joel, and I will see you next week.